So I just want to start out real quick. Um, I saw an article a while ago, I mean probably, I don't know, several months ago, and probably some of you have seen it as well. And there was this lady who does palliative care, I think it was in Australia or New Zealand, and she wrote a book about the top five regrets of the dying. Okay, so we're going to start up on a high note for this second session. But in all of her work with these uh, individuals that were at the end of their life for whatever reason, and they were providing care to them, she took from all of her conversations with them the things that she heard the most from them about what they regretted when they looked back over their life. And so here's, here's the top five. One, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings, to say things to people that I never said. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. I wish that I'd let myself be happier. I just think it's good to take a moment and think about the end of the spectrum, you know, the big picture. And if we're ever at that, when we're at that point, not if we're ever, but when we're at the point where we're looking back on life, do we want to have these same kind of regrets? And isn't it interesting to hear what people really do regret, right? If it's not possessions, it's not having a certain house, it's, it's, it's all relational and also about being happy and joyful and about purpose and not overloading. Um, and so just like in first session when we kind of started with some big picture stuff, I wanted that to, to sit with us a little bit. A quick review of session one if you weren't here so that you'll understand what we're doing in this session. Uh, we really just talked about the struggle is real, that so many of us are dealing with the challenge of being overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. That those are the three words that we typically hear the most from people in, our, in life right now and here in our church as well. And uh, how can we get to a point where those aren't the things that we hear and deal with? Um, session two is the dream, what we're going to deal with today and the next Sunday, both sessions will be around um, uncluttering our life. So this morning when we, we looked at things, we basically talked about um, buckets, this idea here, and that for a lot of us, our buckets uh, were here or depleted, that most of us are down here, our buckets are empty quite a bit or depleted, and that this is a bad area of our life to live. We're depleted, exhausted, that we also have holes in our life that add to that. And so before we can talk about refilling our bucket, we have to realize what are those holes in our life? What, what are the things that prevent us from saying no to the things that overwhelm us and burden us? So we went through a lot of those, fear, pride, guilt, shame, control, all kinds of stuff. All the series will be online later, so if you're missing part of that, you can catch up um, with the sessions. We also dealt with at the end, um, just looking at Exodus 3 and Moses, and that there's a moment in which we have to turn aside, that God is in the moments, he's in our life, he's all around us, um, he's creating moments for us to be aware of, but it requires some action on, our, on our, our part to turn aside and to notice, and then to rest, and the one thing that really is the antidote to being busy, which is sitting in God's presence and, and living connected with him. So uh, today what I wanted to do is really talk about, or this afternoon, uh, the dream, and the idea of, of Sabbath. Um, God always knew from the very beginning that the one thing that we needed the most was time with him. And the very first thing that God makes holy is not a person or a place, but it's a time. And that's Sabbath. All right? uh, he, he sets it aside early on to say this is the seventh day, this time of rest, this ceasing is holy, uh, spent with me. And, and so it elevates it to 
uh, this amazing gift um, from God. But here's the thing, you know, Protestants were kind of like, ah, oh, you know, isn't Sabbath just like this 24-hour legalistic time, and don't we, aren't we not obligated to that anymore? And there's some truth to that. You know, Jesus came and we have a new covenant. Um, but sometimes we throw things out that we should be aware of. And I think there's a lot of, of our Jewish traditions that we've just thrown out and we forgot the meaning and the richness behind them, and we need to stop and pay attention to that. And the idea that the Sabbath is one of those, okay, not in a legalistic way, not in a sundown to a sundown kind of thing, but the idea that God said, this is holy, ceasing from work and resting with me, delighting in the world I've made and the relationships I've given you is holy, and you have to have it. If you don't, your life will be a mess. It'll be empty. Sabbath is that rich, and, it's, and it provides a rhythm of life. It's an orientation. It's not a set of rules. It's a, a rhythm to our living that there is a time for work and engaging, and there's a time of ceasing and resting. And most of us do not practice Sabbath in any form or fashion. Not even, we're not talking about 24 hours even, but just concerted times of ceasing and resting uh, we don't do. So I want to talk about just three parts about the Sabbath. And the first one, that Sabbath is holy. I, just, I mentioned that. Um, and it's the first thing that God declares to be holy, the seventh day. So if you look in scripture, that's referenced there on your page, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, work six days to do everything you need to do, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Don't do any work, not you, not your son, not your daughter, nor your servant, or your maid, nor your animals, not even the foreign guests visiting in your town. For in six days God made heaven, earth, and sea, and everything in them, he rested on the seventh. Even God practiced Sabbath. Not that God needs it, but that he models it for us. That it was this important, that it is holy, that we sanctify this time of ceasing in order to be present with, with God. And uh, I think that's really rich. Um, you know, our culture is a lot of this, you know, go, go, go. And we hear the phrase a lot, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And we kind of honor that. You're right. You know, let's just get it all out here, and the idea of Sabbath is countercultural to all that, right? It's trusting that God is a God who can provide for us. Um, even the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness wandering, God says, Sabbath is holy and you will honor it. So on six days, God provided manna for them, what they needed for that day. And on the sixth day, he provided a double portion so that they would have what they needed on the Sabbath day. And not in abundance, nothing that could be hoarded. It would rot by Monday. Okay, but he so said, this is so holy that you set aside time to rest in me, to reside in me, to, to not work, to not labor, that I will make a provision for you. And uh, I still think today that God looks at us and says, you guys are forgetting about Sabbath. You're forgetting about holy time, time with me and ceasing. The second one is that it is a gift. It really is a gift. Um, there's a word in... But Jewish should have for in Hebrew scripture for the idea of Sabbath, and it's it's a word that we can't hardly capture, but it's an intense love. And um, Abram Heschel, who writes a, rock, a lot about Sabbath, says it's like a whole people were in love with the seventh day, like they just so knew that they needed it, and they couldn't imagine the rhythm of life without ceasing and delighting in the world. Um, and that's when they would get misstepped. I mean, they still practice Sabbath, but where they got off was when it was all about rules and legalistic things. And God's like, you are not passionate. That's not the point of it. I delight in you. You delight in me. We're celebrating that and all the blessings. 
there's a writer, Dan Allender, he's a Christian writer, who writes about this, the Sabbath and he compares it to birth, uh, labor, and delivery. And I always think that's a really risky thing for a male to do, you know? Like, you don't really know, but okay. Um, but I like his illustration because I think it really does capture in a lot. Like the six days is this birthing process, you know, this laboring, okay? And the seventh day is like that moment when, right after that, when, when the birth has happened and the child is laid in the arms of the mom and there's this bonding going on, this absolute peace, this gaze from a, a mom for the first time at her child, and this bond that hopefully will keep them together through all of life. I mean, that's so precious. And he says that's what the Sabbath is like. God's gaze upon us, and we meet that gaze, and we rest in his arms, and we need that regularly. You know, I've had the blessing of being part of two deliveries in the room with that. And it is, you know, six days, you know, and, and the delivery stuff, you're just like, I mean, it's, oh my gosh, you know. This, and then when that moment, when you meet the child, you see him for the first time, and they give it to the mom, it is. It's like everything is right in the world. There's joy and there's peace. And that is the Sabbath. Um, Jesus says, and, and when he was being criticized about doing something on the Sabbath day, he says the Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. He even got the, the Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift to us from a God who loves us. And he says, you need to sit out. You need a break. And you need a break with me in order to do life. It's not about rules. It's not about punishment. It is my gift to you as a compassionate, loving God. And we need to change our kind of orientation with that. Uh, I like this quote. Uh, for Facebook friends, you saw it yesterday. But Norman Wurzba says, When we become a Sabbath people, we give one of the most compelling witnesses to the world that we worship a God who desires our collective joy and good. That really isn't often the message that we give to the world, the witness of our God. It's more of a God who's labor-intensive and you know, who keeps us guilty and all that kind of stuff. But when we practice Sabbath, we are giving a testimony to the world that we have a God who cares about us, who delights in us, who wants to pour blessings into our life. And that's a rhythm that we need to keep. And that we can't do it without him. The last one um, is freedom. Sabbath is freedom. It's freeing. My word for this year, I don't do resolutions anymore, but I do a word which I try and live by, and everything is oriented to it is freedom. Um, there's a lot of little sub-things in there that I want to get free from, but the overall idea is that God made us to be a free people, a liberated people, and to live that way. And when I look around at myself, and most of us, we don't look very liberated. Well, a lot of us look like we're in bondage all the time, that we've put ourselves there. And uh, the idea that, for me especially, you know, fear of pleasing people or disappointing people, failure, that's a huge one for me, that will empty my bucket fast. And so to continually remind myself that I am God's beloved, that he delights in me, not for anything I produce or do, but because of who I am, his child. And I have to tell myself that over and over again. You're God's beloved. Your worth is in him, not in things you produce, not other people's opinions of you. And that frees me to live the life that God wants me to, to live. It liberates us. Sabbath is freeing us. It's saying that the world will get on just fine without us for one day. It frees us from that pride. It frees us from the tyranny of work to set it aside, to let things go, even undone, and to say, that is not my master. God is my master. And this is his time in order to do what I need to do to just be his child. Um, this, these verses here, if you, from Isaiah, if you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, 
If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. So if we honor Sabbath in our life, a time where we cease in order to be present with God and delight in his blessings with people that he's given us, if we do that, we'll be free in God, not under the tyranny of, of other things. Um, I like this. Observing Sabbath reminds us that the world has our hand, but our soul belongs to someone else. Our work, those things can have us on these days in forms and fashion, but my soul, my, my being belongs to someone else. I'm his. Um, oh, yeah, one more quote there. Six days a week we live under the tyranny of things of space, and on the Sabbath we try to become attuned to holiness in time. Sabbath is such a gift. So, um, Sabbath, you know, I, there's a lot of traditions that go along with it, and sometimes, even, even now when I keep saying Sabbath, you're thinking, well, what do you think, Mel, are you telling me like Friday sundown to Saturday sundown? Again, we're, we're beyond those things, although the practice of setting aside a day you know, is something that God would call us to, to do, um, but also pockets of our life. So even stepping into this slowly to go, you know what, this afternoon, okay, I'm going to give this, I'm ceasing from labor. We're all ceasing. Our phones are going in a drawer somewhere. We're turning them off. I'm not checking work email or phones or whatever. We're not going to drown ourselves out with, you know, just distractions about. We're going to be present with the Lord. We're going to be present with one another. We're going to delight in a hobby that we enjoy. We're going to fill our buckets. That's practicing Sabbath. It's reminding us whose we are and that he delights in us. Um, but I love the tradition when, um, in the Jewish tradition, when they begin a Sabbath on a Friday night, um, they have a, a, a service, and they begin it with this kiddish blessing. All right? It's not kiddy. That's why it's like, oh, it's so childlike. It's kiddish blessing. Okay? And it is, it is because Sabbath is so holy, um, they sanctify the beginning of this time in which they cease and they remember their God, who also practiced Sabbath and who gives it to them as a gift. And at the very beginning of the ceremony, they do something. You know, they light candles. They have bread there as well. But um, there's this cup blessing that I love. Uh, this Kadesh blessing over wine or grape juice. And I like that this brand is called Healthy Balance. How ironic is that? Uh huh. And uh, when the usually the father and the family will will get ready to start the ceremony, they will take the wine or the grape juice, um, and they will pour it into the cup. And here's the thing, they pour it all the way to the top and even overflowing. Oh man, that gets some of you right there. OCD types are freaking out. <laughs> okay, they do this for a reason. Because the overflowing is symbolic of God's overflowing abundance in our life that he wants to pour into it. But he's not, you know, keep with it. That it is overflowing and in abundance. And so they hold this up, which I'm not going to do right now because I'm going to spill everything everywhere. Uh, but they hold it up, and they, they remember the Sabbath by reading Genesis, the end of chapter 1. And it says, And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. And then right after that, they have a prayer blessing. And that blessing is, all it is, is a word of thanks to God for the gift of Sabbath. And then they enter into that time to remember. 
I just love that. And I love this visual of overflowing, that we have a God who wants to do that in our life, but we're not turning aside at all in order for God to do that. We are so jam-packed and so overwhelmed and so depleted um, that and so many holes that this kind of thing can't happen. So I want us to um, think about with that, how do we allow God to fill our bucket? How do we live this abundance life okay, um, that God calls us to? And so there's, I'm just going to share some things that maybe, you know, hopefully will work some of them for you. For me, these are things that help fill my bucket. Um, again, while I'm working on these holes that we talked about earlier today, uh, these are the things that replenish me uh, and, and overflow into my life. One is connection with God. And that is, that is the core one for me. When I am out of step with God, when I have not spent time with God, um, all those things we talked about this morning, how we act like here, that's me. I'm resentful, I'm grumpy, I'm, I'm out of focus, um, I'm resentful, I'm missing things around me, I'm blaming left and right, I'm out of source, I'm not connected with God, and uh, that affects my entire life. And when I take the time to practice Sabbath, when I take the time to spend time with God, allowing him to speak into my life, it begins to fill this bucket like nothing else can. And we negate that. We think, well, God's always with me, and he'll keep up. <laughs> you know, he'll keep up. But remember, God, the passage we talked about this morning, that he, he puts these moments around us, but he waits for us to turn and pay attention. We have to turn aside from things. Life is really simpler when we remember we have one agenda, and that's God. When I'm connected with God, he helps me with the, my fears. He helps me remember whose I am. Who's I am. He, remember, he helps me to remember that it, your opinion of me isn't one that matters. He gets me free of image uh, manipulation, you know, that fascination I have with that need to be loved and admired. Only God can do those things for me. Uh, a second one, family and friends. I know family may not be one for everyone. Sometimes that really depletes your bucket. Uh, but for me, family is one that renews me. I, I, it's not a burden to spend time with my family. Um, I like them, mom and dad. So you know, here. I really like you all year long. Um, but two that have come along that have really made this impact on me are these two. You knew there was going to be a picture somewhere of my niece and nephew, Morgan and Blake. Um, I just had no idea about love until they came along. Um, and even though they have great personalities and moments where you're like, hmm, you know, uh, for the most part, they are huge bucket fillers for me. And they are also people that remind me what is important and what is not. If you're going to get me to put margins in my life, often it's these two who are the ones who are going to do it. Because when are we going to play? When are we going to hang out? Can we go to the gym today? Can we do that? And I have to sit and my, my resentment part is like, oh, I've got to get this done. And then I'm like, no, that's not the image I want them to have of their Aunt Mo. Always busy and always gone. My nephew wrote this to me when he was in first grade. Very cute writing. Um, Dear Aunt Mo, that's my name that they call me. We miss you so much because you have been gone a lot. You've been on mission trips and going to the zoo. I only go to the zoo with them. I'm not sure where that came from. but I want you to stay and play with me and Morgan outside. And I want you to stay forever and ever. Uh, yeah. That hangs on my wall for a reason. So that I can read it a lot and go, mm, that is not the story I want Blake to tell about his time with his Aunt Mo growing up. I want him to tell stories of us going and playing and being outside forever and ever. 
And so when I'm with them, it's not a burden. It's a bucket filler. And whatever I need to do to remind myself of that, I try and do. Psalm 127.3 says, children are a blessing from God. They really are. Satisfying work. I love my job. I love what I get to do. I love teenagers still after all these years. Okay? And I know some of you don't understand that, but they, they are amazing. They're wonderful, and they're a blessing to me. And, and usually when I can stop from the to-do list and everything and I get to spend time with them, that's where I get the most bucket fillers, when I get to have a conversation with them or hang out or something. And that's sometimes the thing I don't get to because I'm doing these other things. And so when I can reorient and say, I just need to hang out with them, the other, the two weeks ago, I was waiting for them to come to Dairy Queen after choir, and I literally had this thought of like, I can't wait for my friends to get here. Obviously, I need to get some other friends too, but it, it was this idea that I loved them so much. I enjoyed being with them. I was waiting for them to be there because I would be renewed and joy-filled when they got there. Uh, so I love what I do. Work is also a source of, of drain as well because of my issues and my inability, like we talked about earlier, to say no and to cap off things. So I have to watch that with it, but it's satisfying to me. Not everybody has that. And if your job is one that's a drain to you, that it, it's sucking the life out of you from your, your bucket, you have to pay attention to that. My biggest fear is, is in speaking all this is to sound trite. Okay, I really don't want to make light of anything that anyone is going through or the struggle. I know not everyone has the option to go out and quit a job. Um, but I do know that if your job is a major drainer in your life, it's not going to get better until something changes. And either praying for God to change your attitude about work and that place or employers or whatever is the issue, or whether it's praying for God to remove you from that place and provide another way, your bucket will continually be down here unless, unless we make changes with that. So praying and seeking God's wisdom with your work um, and making changes to replenish rather than drain you. Uh, the last one here, recreation and leisure. Um, <clears throat> the idea that, you know, Lots of us feel really guilty about recreate, recreation, you know, leisure activities, like there's someone hungry somewhere, and I'm here, you know, with this hobby, playing tennis or whatever. Um, wouldn't the Lord rather me do this? But recreation is recreating. It is a gift from God, like Sabbath. It is rebuilding ourselves. And it is not, when we have a struggle with that, when we say, oh, man, I can't think that, of that being a bucket filler, we need to go back to those holes we talked about earlier today. And go, what, what are my issues with that? It's one of my holes. I'm so guilty, like I'm disappointing people that I'm not leaving up, that I'm not going to matter if I actually take a day off and enjoy a hobby. God says, those recreate you, renew you, so you can live the life that I plan for you and, and be that for other people. So whatever it is for you, I mean, reading, cooking, collecting things, um, you know, hiking, golfing, photography, whatever those things are that fill your bucket. And the last one, just what about you? I mean, these are some that I mentioned. Um, what uniquely fills your cup? What uniquely replenishes you that provides delight uh, in your life that you need to make sure that you tend to and add into and not avoid? Wouldn't it really be something that if we got to the point where the words overwhelmed and overscheduled and exhausted were not words that we heard around this church? I know right now it sounds like that is not fathomable that we could not actually get to that point, but wouldn't it be a witness uh, to our world if we got to a point where we so understood the gift of Sabbath that our God gave us 
and we're so secure in him and his love for us and the way that he wants to pour it out in abundance in our life, margin and space, um, that we're no longer a people who our predominant theme is exhausted and overscheduled and overworked. What a testimony. On your paper, there were some quotes um, that I really liked there under the freedom part on the first page. The first one, Abraham Heschel, the book he wrote about the Sabbath, which is a fantastic book. Gallantly, ceaselessly, quietly, man must fight for inner liberty to remain independent of the enslavement of the material world. Inner liberty depends upon being exempt from domination of things, as well as from domination of people. There are many who have acquired a high degree of political and social liberty, but only very few who are not enslaved to things. This is our constant problem, how to live with people and remain free, how to live with things and remain independent. And then from Mark Buchanan, to refuse Sabbath is in effect to spurn the gift of freedom. It is to resume willingly what we once cried out for God to deliver us from. It is choosing what we once shunned. Slaves don't rest. Slaves can't rest. Slaves, by definition, have no freedom to rest. Rest, it turns out, is a condition of liberty. Sabbath is a refusal to go back to Egypt. Practicing Sabbath, filling our buckets, is a refusal to be enslaved to the world, but to remain free and be the free people that God has made us to be. So two action steps um, that I just want to encourage you this week to think about. They're small so that hopefully you're not overwhelmed, but yet, again, as we talked about, it's us. It's up to us. We got here. We have to start making those steps to get out of that. The first one I mentioned in our first session, taking an honest assessment, draw a bucket on a paper and just think about where you're at on this. You know, right now in your life or in general even. Again, there's ebbs and flows to it, but in general, where am I at um, and why? Why? Any of those things that we talked about first sessions, really praying things through, and it's a hard one to go, what, am I really afraid of something? Do I have pride? What is it? And then uh, the second one from, from this session, what are the replenishing people, dynamic activities, and engagements that fill you up when you've gotten a little low in the tank? I mean, who is it that you need to be around? To help fill your bucket some. What are the things that you uniquely need to do in order to begin to fill this bucket up in your life? I want you to think about that list this week. Recognize what those things are. And the second part of that is to choose one or two of those and start doing them. Maybe tomorrow or at least once this week. Or schedule it for this month and protect it. Put it on your calendar. If it's in that phone on that calendar, you're not going to disobey that, right? Set the alarm. I'm scheduling now. Friday this time. This is Sabbath. Or this is what I'm practicing. This is what I'm going to do to replenish my, my bucket. So change begins with small. Um, like I said the first time, the reason we're doing this series and the reason that we chose this for this, this thing is because we see a lot of hurting people, um, a lot of people struggling with this. Uh, and because we love you, we, we don't wish for that to continue for you. Um, being defeated has to stop, right? And because we know a God who loves you even more than us, who says, I have to stop. I have a better plan. Um, so we love you. We're praying for you. We want to walk with you through this as we make changes and hopefully move and make some progress to where we're not always um, mentioning those three words uh, when we greet one another, when we talk about it a lot of those things. Next Sunday is going to be a lot of more practical stuff, lots of resources, different things. 
part of it. And uh, so I hope you'll join us again next week. Let me close with prayer, and uh, we're going to enjoy the day. Father, thank you for the gift of Sabbath, for knowing well in advance that we would always need time, regular time, a rhythm of time where we set up uh, from, from labor, from work, from obligations, and we rest in your presence. God, whatever's in our lives that, that makes us uncomfortable with that, we pray for the courage to deal with it. If we feel guilty, if we feel like we don't deserve it, if we feel like you don't think we deserve it, uh, we just want to surrender those feelings to you and to realize you're a God of delight and joy and that you want to lavish us and you want to pour out in abundance in our lives uh, the blessings that you have for us and renew us. God, I pray that you give us clarity this week about things we talked about and that we'll find one way uh, just to replenish, to begin to pour into our lives um, joy and things that bring us that. Thank you for your love and your, and your concern for us. In your name we pray. Amen.